Howdy folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Utari and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm referring to is growth in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. What I'd like to do in this episode is once again take a look at this statement that Jesus made when he said very clearly to a group of people that there was a blessing, there was a special point of attention that God was placing on and that he was extending his grace and his empowerment for people that were functioning as and then fill in the blanks. And one of the things that Jesus said was blessed, or the people who are experiencing this are blessed. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. (laughs) Uh. I've been called a lot of things, and only rarely have I ever been called a child of God. Now, my goal is for that to become more and more of a reality, not because I demand that to take place, where I say to people, you need to start referring to me as a child of God. You get it? If you don't talk to me as a child of God, like I'm a child of God and referring to me as a child of God, you're doing something wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. Being called a child of God is because what we're doing and how we're living, the only way to describe it is God's doing something both to that person and through that person. They are like a child of God. Meaning, again, God is making himself real through them. Praise God for that. Now, the other day, I was standing in line, and it was at a convenience store, right? So I was hoping to get in and out within, like, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever. A little short period of time. Convenient. So I was standing there, and there's a long line, and there's one cashier. <laughs> and I'm at the end of the line, and 
someone in the front of the line decides that they want to buy a huge amount of lottery ticket stuff. Scratch-offs, tickets, you name it. They were going to spend a lot of money, and that meant that that cashier had to pay attention to that person's request, and it meant the rest of us were going to have to wait. <laughs> well, enough for convenience. So I said out loud, Oh, man, I need a haircut. And someone in front of me looked around, and a couple people, and I said, you know, I didn't need it before I got here, but man, I've been here so long, I need a haircut. Well, <laughs> some people laughed, and, and it was kind of funny, but it was really meant to be a jab. It didn't really help the situation. It didn't create peace, that's for sure. Point in me sharing that is that there are times where we want things to happen before God has created within us the condition for things to happen. The old, you know, you can't hurry God up, but you can hinder him from doing stuff. And so impatience is not the process by which we are known as children of God. Making peace is what Jesus said, was going to be one of the crowning ways in which we would be identified as being children of God. Well, we've looked at a portion of what that means, and in part what that means is making a reconciliation between us and God, where things are all right, where things are righteous. Our relationship is right. We are reconciled. We're at peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That is not the totality of what Jesus was referring to when he was speaking of this type of peace. He's actually talking about a peace that is a peace that comes from within us and it finds an expression outside of us. That's a powerful expression of a presence. Peace having a presence and a power. Jesus being the prince of peace. Peace was something that Jesus used to subdue a chaotic situation. We've looked at him subduing natural elements by speaking to the wind and the waves and saying to them, be quiet, be still, shalom, be still, peace. And they became quiet and still. He looked at a demoniac and spoke to the chaotic situation and spoke peace, and peace happened. He made peace. He went to the home of Jairus. A daughter of his had died, 12 years old. The place was chaotic. Jesus brought peace in order for them to function in the ways of the kingdom. Peace is the environment of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul said that the kingdom of God was not in what we eat or what we drink. It's not in stuff like that. It's not by what we do as you know, in external rituals and things of that nature. He said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is righteousness, 
peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. Peace is the cultural condition. It's the air. It's the environment of the kingdom. It's the presence of God. Peace. The power of peace. It's the environment in which the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of heaven does not operate in the realm of chaos. It transforms chaos into peace. So, Jesus is demonstrating what it means for us to be a peacemaker. And we're finding out that that's a process. Some things just take time. Like that person in the convenience store. It just took time for him to get his knee taken care of so I can get mine addressed. (laughs) You get the point. Some things take time, and by us being crass about it, and by us being irritated and making snide remarks, doesn't make the situation better. It exacerbates it, and it's important for us not to do that, to be above that, to walk as people with integrity so that we can address situations with a calm, clear mind, with authority, and see the results actually take place. Not wishing, not hoping, not trying to shout over the crowd, but addressing the situation and enforcing the reality of the kingdom of God because of the faith, the trust, the reliance we have upon the Father, knowing that of and by ourselves, we can't do it. But not only can he, he wants to and he will He's just looking for a vessel open to flow through, and that's us. And that's what he's transforming us into. That's the process. Going from being poor in spirit to being a maker of peace is a process. It happens at different levels, and it happens in different scales. It happens at different times, different ways, but it's happening because God is growing us into a mature image of him. We are called to be children of God, children like him, children that do stuff with him. Now, we're going to take a look at another portion of scripture pertaining to peace, the making of peace. But it's an area that we typically wouldn't necessarily apply making peace to. And it's a situation involving the arrest of Jesus Christ prior to his crucifixion, the night in which Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Talk about an unpeaceful environment. You have someone who's traveled with you for several years, and they reach a point where they no longer want to see you in the public light and so they are willing to betray you to either force your hand or to get you removed from the situation so that the real Messiah can be revealed. And so Judah thought he was doing a favor in some respects by betraying Jesus. But again, anything but a peaceful environment And in John chapter 18, we pick up this particular 
overview of the arrest of Jesus Christ. Starting at verse 1 in chapter 18. After Jesus finished this prayer, he left his disciples and went across to the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden. Judas the traitor knew where the place was, for Jesus had gone there often with his disciples. The Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and temple police to seize Jesus. Judas guided them to the garden, all of them carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen, went out to the garden entrance to meet them. Stepping forward, he asked them, Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Now Judas the traitor was among them. He replied, I am he. And the moment Jesus spoke the words, I am he, the mob fell backward to the ground. So once more, Jesus asked them, Who are you looking for? As they stood up, they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I told you that I am the one you're looking for, so if you want me, let these men go home. He said this to fulfill the prophecy he had spoken. Father, not one of those you have given me has been lost. Suddenly, Peter took out his sword and struck the high priest's servant, slashing off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus ordered Peter, put your sword away. Do you really think I will avoid the suffering which my father has assigned to me? Then the soldiers and their captains, along with the Jewish officers, seized Jesus and tied him up. Amazing. On so many counts. Number one, the tension in the air would have sucked the energy out of anyone who was not in relationship with God. Jesus was in close relationship with his father, so he was able to stand in the midst of that chaotic, heavy situation with peace. And that peace within him was so powerful that when the soldiers heard that it was Jesus that was talking to them, the peace from within him came out from him and subdued the environment and knocked these soldiers backward. People used to call it being slain in the spirit. It was a demonstration of the power of God. It was God subduing a situation and showing that he was in control. They weren't in control. Nobody took Jesus' life. The life of Jesus was not taken. He gave it. He gave it on our behalf. 
Nobody took it from him. He freely gave it. Big difference. He demonstrated peace in the midst of chaos. Jesus then, at one point in time, said he could have called hundreds, hundreds of angels to come and help. Why would he need people to do anything? He subdued the situation. He demonstrated peace in the midst of his betrayal. He portrayed peace. In the midst of persecution, after peace comes persecution. Jesus demonstrated complete peace in the midst of the most heinous persecution a person has ever experienced in their life. And that was just the beginning. All the way through it, it meaning all the way through his sufferings, the whippings, the beatings, the cross, he had peace. Shalom. Did it hurt his body? Absolutely yes. But there was peace. That's how powerful peace is. They couldn't beat it out of him. They couldn't nail it out of him. They couldn't do anything about it except Jesus offering it so that we can have it. Powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. We are called, like Jesus, to make peace. Sometimes in the most difficult situations, oftentimes that's where it's needed most. Some of you are facing some insurmountable odds right now. You know individuals that are in the midst of deep trials, heavy persecution, rejection, betrayals, pain, suffering, impossibilities. God is declaring that he has called us to be makers of peace, which brings about healing, which brings about deliverance, which brings about restoration, which brings about reconciliation, which brings about us taking dominion and subduing things and having things aligned with the values, practices, and priorities of the kingdom of God. There are seven things that affect our perception and our expression of the presence and the peace of God. There are seven things that affect our perceptions and our expressions of the presence and the peace of God. And those seven things are, number one, our thought life. What we dwell on affects what goes on inside of us. The images that are in your mind's eye affect the way you behave, and they affect how you perceive things both to you and through you. Number two, the company we keep, the folks we hang out with, have a significant part to play in how we see things and how we function in the world. It's very important for us 
to be aligned with people that have values, practices, and priorities that are consistent with the kingdom of heaven. Three, the music we play and or listen to. Music carries such a powerful influence in our lives. And the type of music that we listen to and that we play affects how we perceive the world around us and how we portray ourselves to the world around us and how we receive from God and how we project what God is like. The music that we listen to has a significant bearing upon that. Number four, the things we look at. What goes into our eye gate is important because it enters into our heart, into our gizmo, into our spirit. Our eyes pick up on things. Be careful what you are looking at. One young child once was asked when they were talking to what their parent thought was an invisible friend, the parent said, "What are you, who are you talking to? He goes, we're talking to an angel. And the parent says, well, why can't I see the angel? And the kid asks the angel, why? Can't my parent, can't my mom see the angel? And the angel said, because they're looking at the wrong things. The things we look at affect how we see things or whether we can see them or not. Five, the environment, the ethos we live in. Do we live in an environment that is chaotic? Do we live in an environment that is slovenly? Do we live in an environment that is lazy? Do we live in an environment that is too clean, too concerned with things that are on the exterior and not things that are on the interior? The environment, the ethos we live in. Number six, the words we say out loud are important. They are vital. The power of life and death is in our tongue. We create things by what we say. And if we want peace, we need to be speaking peaceful things, commanding peace, calling peace into play, saying to our house, peace be to this house, saying to our neighbors, peace be to our neighbor's house, extending shalom. Seven, gratitude. Having a heart of gratitude of praise to God, of gratefulness for what God has done already. Sometimes we can get caught up in what hasn't happened yet, that we lose sight of what has been provided for, and thankfulness kind of goes out the window. We have been given so much already, let's have a heart of gratitude so that we can see what God is doing, has done, and what he is planning on doing. Seven things that affect our perception and expression of the presence and the peace of God. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you so much for leading us, for guiding us, for teaching us from your word, showing us how to function in your kingdom, how to be in a place 
of right relationship with you and with each other. Lord, help us in this relationship with one another as we move forward in this making of peace so that collectively as your body, we can demonstrate what it's like to be one man. That we have one heart, one mind, that we would have one purpose, that would be your purpose. Not like the Tower of Babel, but like the praise of God, the glory of the Lord, the worship and the service unto our God. You alone are worthy, and we offer praise to you, Lord. We set our sights high because you are high and lifted up. And you, your presence, fills the temple. Glory be to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and good will toward men. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, folks, I love you. I hope that your day goes well. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, please feel free to drop us a line at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. Life Around the Fire is all lowercase letters, all one word, Life Around the Fire, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll get back in touch with you. In the meantime, adios, amigos.